uh, says, uh, does Satan feel any kind of pain, hurt, compassion, or empathy for people suffering? And do you think the angels that chose uh, to go with Satan are happy with their decision? Interesting question. Because of the way you, if you'd have just said, does he feel any kind of pain or hurt? Well, we have descriptions that after his rebellion that he regretted and had remorse, and he went back and asked for an audience with Christ, and he had tears and, and so forth. But you actually said compassion or empathy for people suffering. I would say completely no. We see that in, in quite corrupt human beings today that be, actually get certain glee and pleasure out of hurting other people. And I think he has so corrupted himself with such perversity of evil that he actually gets pleasure when people suffer, and he's behind the demonic. And if you read the story of, of uh, uh, Desire of Ages, where the uh, where the uh, gives a little kind of insight that demons were behind the mob that was uh, demanding Christ's crucifixion, uh, there is no sense that they got anything other than pleasure out of out of bringing pain and suffering to the innocent. But then you also ask, do you think the angels that chose to go with Satan are happy? My understanding of happiness is happiness is a byproduct of healthiness. You cannot have genuine happiness when you're out of harmony with the way God designed life. So no, they're not happy. Uh, but they, they, that doesn't mean they can't experience some uh, pleasures, uh, some reward, some some validation. As anybody who gets power over somebody else, they get a sense of uh, of, of emotional perhaps uh, thrill. But that's not the happiness that that we would define that God designed. So I don't think so. When someone speaks in tongues, does a demon enter them? Well, that that question is wide open to interpretation, isn't it? Because this, didn't didn't the Bible say that uh, that the apostles spoke in tongues after Pentecost? Okay, so, uh, so the, so the apostles are speaking in tongues. I wouldn't think a demon. In fact, we were told explicitly the Holy Spirit gave them that gift at that point of time. So I guess you'd have to clarify, um, are these the genuine tongues that the Bible gives, that the Holy Spirit gives for the advancement of the gospel, or are they a counterfeit tongue? A miracles can be genuine from the Lord, and miracles can be counterfeited. And so, uh, you, uh, you can't answer that question in the affirmative or the negative in all circumstances. You have to ex- examine. Uh, why was John the beloved disciple? Why was John the beloved disciple? Does that mean Jesus showed favoritism? Uh, so, so it, it, a great question to ask. Well, what does it mean? And that's what you're asking. What does it mean? Is it, does it mean favoritism? No. Think how love works. How does love function? Think about the people you love. Are there son? Pardon? Love begets love. Love begets love. So there are some people that you can not necessarily in your heart have deeper affection for, but there are some people that you can become closer to because of how they treat you, how they respond to your love. How uh, And so John was the youngest of the disciples, and the argument is made that as the youngest of the disciples, he was more open to being matured in the message that Jesus had, and thus he came into a closer insight, unity, and affection of heart with Jesus than all the others. He trusted Jesus more completely at an earlier age than the others, and thus love operated more deeply in John, and Jesus could connect more closely with John because of John's trust and affection for Jesus, not because of Jesus showing favoritism. Would you please explain Mark 11, 11 to 14, why the curse of the fig tree? It's an object lesson. 
Uh, the fig trees, uh, my understanding from, from, is that uh, typically when the fig, uh, the fig leaves are in full bloom, it's an indication that there's fruit, and Jesus went over to get some fruit, but there was no fruit. Uh, it wasn't the season, but the fig tree was advertising its leafage or foliage as if it had figs. It didn't have figs, and Jesus said, may no one ever eat from you again. The next day it was withering and dying. Um, the, the, the tree has no conscience. It has no soul to save. So Jesus used this as an object lesson to demonstrate this is what happens to those who put on foliage or plumage of being virtuous and righteous and having fruits of the Spirit, but when you actually look into their soul, they are devoid of the fruits of the Spirit. They don't have any. What happens to them in the end? They will wither and die. So it's simply an object lesson. Please share wisdom on grieving the death of an estranged sibling with whom there wasn't a relationship because of their abusive behavior. I'm going to say that again because I really want you all to hear the question and think carefully before you reflexively answer the question. Please share wisdom on grieving the death of an estranged sibling with whom there wasn't a relationship because of their abusive behavior. If, if we're going to answer this question as it's asked and not make it a different question, there is no grief of the loss of this relationship to be done. If there is no relationship, is what the, what the question says, there was no relationship. You can't grieve the loss of something you've never had. You can't. But grieving the loss of potential, could So what they're actually grieving is the hope, the wish, the dream, the fantasy, the longing, the desire, that they always wished we could reconcile and have that close relationship. When they die, the hope for a reconciliation or the person to not be abusive, or, or this is the positive side of the, of the grief. There is a negative side of that same grief. Once they die, I can't make them pay. I can't hold them accountable. I can't see them suffer. My opportunity for vengeance is gone, and they're grieving the loss of their, their retaliatory option. That's the negative side. Either way, there isn't actually a, a relationship. You're not grieving the person. You're grieving what that person represented to you and the hopes you had for some thing that has never developed to occur. That's what the grief is about. I understand that we are called to get out of Babylon, and that means not participate in their ways. Will there be a moment when God's people will need to leave the cities and flee to the countryside? I, you know, my view is that that is the Holy Spirit will indicate that to each person. And, you know, was there a time when Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should have left Babylon? I, I don't know that that was true, other than at the end of the seventy years. Um, but they were right in the heart of it. God, God. So, you know, I, I I think there will be for some people. It will be very clear. Some people will need to leave. The circumstances will be such. The Holy Spirit will convict them. But God really may have other individual people that they have a purpose and a mission for them to witness to somebody or some group in the city and do a good work for him. I, I just can't. I could not make a cookie cutter rule that would say all people should do this. What uh, what? He said, what email address do we send questions and or concerns? to you directly that is not for Q&A session. So uh, requests at, that's with an S, requests at com, And that's our last question. So you have a question here? 
Wouldn't a healthy part of that also being the forgiveness factor? So if one is thinking about if it's that negative element I don't have, for one's own healing to choose to let go of so, yes, if they haven't resolved the, any animosities or bitterness or resentment, then, of course, their own personal he- healing would require them to forgive the other person who had wronged them so they don't carry the bitterness and resentment with them. That's exactly right, yeah. So um, let's go ahead and close with prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for your methods, for your principles, and the truths that you've revealed in Jesus. We ask that your spirit will take the victory of Christ, reproduce it in us, and make us effective in sharing a message that changes lives uh, toward your kingdom, that we can see you coming soon. We pray in your holy name. Amen.